Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting podcast. Hi guys, my name is Mark O'Hare and I'm joined by Tom Love and Jack Lambden today to bring you the best, well the first really, of four anti-post preview podcasts by the We Love Betting team in association with Gambler. With the Premier League top of our agenda first up, uh, Tom, I trust you well. Um, it's been a strange year and the gap between the two seasons has been quite minimal. Uh, obviously not a huge amount has changed, but we've seen a number of, uh, let's say, eye-catching transfers in the Premier League. So. Thus far, which team's done the best business and, and which of the signings have stood out to you most? Um, good question. I, I would say, as the majority of people would, I think Chelsea have had um, a good window. It's interesting that at the start of last season, everyone was bigging up Lampard for playing the kids and the thought that that, that would kind of carry on. Um, but that, that's not really been the case. Abramovich has got his... Uh, wallet out and shipped, uh, shipped out quite a bit of money for the likes of Havertz and Werner especially. They look really, really dangerous going forward. It's just how they kind of all fit into the same system, which will be quite interesting to see. Um, but they're, they're looking serious and I do think they'll give it a good go for the title this season uh, without giving too much away just yet. Um, but apart from that, I think that Leeds have done... Decent enough business with Rodrigo coming in and Robin Koch as well. Yeah. Um, they should fit into the system quite nicely, I think. Um, just with Bamford up there last season, did did a lot of good things, but he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. So I think mm-hmm. Rodrigo coming in, um, he, he'll be the one that Bielsa will be looking to get the goals up front. So, yeah, um, on the whole, I'd say that them two have done probably the best business um apart from that I, I like I like Eze um I know you'll be fond of him Mark from mm-hmm. uh, watching him at QPR I think he's an unbelievable player and I'm surprised that um a bigger team than Palace didn't come in for him I thought maybe maybe Spurs or someone like that would um be looking at him but he, he's a really eye-catching signing for them and should bring some class and creativity to that team that was sorely lacking it last season um yeah, I, f- I think overall you've got to hand it to Chelsea. Um, but uh, as we see all the time, you, you can say that teams win the transfer window. I mean, it, it, no doubt was Villa the other year spending over a hundred million, and that went kaput um, and full of the year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, you've got to kind of reserve judgment a bit. It does take time for these players to settle in, especially if they're coming from different countries and they're coming into a Premier League that's quite frantic compared to the likes of La Liga um, and Syria. So, yeah, um, quite plenty to see. But, um, yeah, I've got to go with Chelsea for this. I really like what they've done. Yeah, that's fair enough. Spent a lot of money on some quality players, so it'll be interesting to see how they do fit them all in this season. Um, Jack, over to you now. Um, obviously, we're still living and probably dealing with the effects of the pandemic, one of which is the, the lack of fans in stadiums. And we did see... I guess, after, lock, after lockdown, a reasonable sample of football from the top two tiers in England, Spain, Germany and Italy as well, of, of what behind closed doors football did look like. I mean, what did we learn from it, if anything? Was the lack of home fans a potential loss of home field advantage or has that been overplayed? Uh, I think it was very much dependent on the league. I think we saw it quite a bit uh, and it quite a bit of an impact in the Bundesliga, um, I think for a couple of reasons. that Firstly, they were first major league back so it was quite new to everyone really at that point um, and I guess as well in that league you, you tend to have a bit more hostile crowds so I think there was a, a little a uh, bit less of a fear factor for away sides going to some of the some of the bigger grounds um, but I think it'd be interesting to see over the next sort of few months as fans start to trickle back into the stadiums what what impact that's going to have particularly as by the sounds of it um, there may be no away fans at all for, for quite some time. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what it's like with some home fans in, maybe not a sort of capacity crowd, but what impact that has, uh, if at all. Um, and also how it's going to really out, I'd look at how it impacts the uh, promoted teams. You know, normally, um, you know, promoted sides need to, to have a good home form to, to stay in the division. And you think of sides like Leeds, who, you know, usually quite a, 
um, a raucous atmosphere. Ellen Road and, and particularly the way they play football under Bielsa, they're going to, you know, they may well rely on on having that crowd behind them to sort of give them a bit of adrenaline, keep them keep them going, the sort of intensity of level of football they play. So, um, you know, I think the whole behind closed doors factor is certainly something that you need to keep in mind when when uh, placing your bets this season. For sure. Um, okay. Well, uh, we've all contributed to the Wheel of Betting season preview, which was completed on Monday. Uh, all our content is now live on the site. There's over 40 preview pieces, well over 50,000 words of content covering all four leagues. Um, so, yeah, we're all quite prominent in putting it together, uh, along with a collection of other of Wheel of Betting's uh, biggest stars. So please do go to the website, check it out if you haven't already, uh, and share it too. It'd be hugely appreciated. Uh, now, before we do get into the bets, uh, something quite exciting is coming your way later this week. Jack, Tom and I are putting our heads together on a new project called Wheel of Betting Gold, WLB Gold. Um, it will be a paid member service that will feature the very best of what we do on social media coming straight to your mobile device. It will include ba- uh, our best daily recommended bets, pointers and insight, um, just the usual stats and trends really, and basically all our top level analysis will be included every day and there's uh, there's many more plans up our sleeve as well to add to the service in the new future we'll be revealing more details about wb gold on thursday with the service starting from friday in time for the opening weekend of the season something we're all very excited about very uh, looking forward to getting involved and, and started with uh, and we'd love to have you on board too so that's something to keep an eye on going forward um, but right yeah the premier league it starts on saturday manchester city are five to six favorites in the outright market Champions Liverpool are 9-4 to to retain their crown. As we talked about, big spending Chelsea, they're 11-1. to Man United are now 16s. Arsenal 40-1, to Spurs 66-1. to I'll come to you, Tom, first. What are your thoughts on the Premier League outright market? Are Man City fair favourites? And if not, where is the value to be had? Good question. Um, I think that Man City are fair favourites. I mean, odds on um, for a season-long bet isn't really my kind of um, thing, but I do think they are warranted at that price. I mean, a lot of people say how how many points Liverpool won the title by last season. And I, I understand that to a point. But if you look at kind of the underlying performance data metrics, uh, Man City was still at the top of that um, on pretty much all the major metrics, uh, you know, shots shots in the box, uh, XG and stuff like that. So um, it kind of only... only It'll kind of vary itself out. It should it should kind of revert to the mean in that case. And if you do look at Liverpool, um, especially away from home last season, they won a lot of games by tight margins. You know, goals one nil or two ones and stuff like that. It doesn't take much for that to change. Um, uh, and when you're playing off them fine margins, the sustainability of it um, does come under scrutiny after a while. And I do think that. Um, it will kind of come back to bite them a little bit. Um, I think if they sign Thiago, that'll be a massive signing. One of my favourite players in Europe at the minute, him. Um, he could just control that midfield. I think he'd suit Man City very well as well. I know Guardiola is a fan. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I would say that Man City are favourites. I'm not that sweet on Liverpool um, at the prices, to be honest. Um, I just think that there's not that much depth there. And if they do get a couple of injuries, I think that they could they could kind of struggle. And when you look at the likes of Man United, bringing in the likes of Van der Beek um, and the players that are improving there and Chelsea with the players that they've brought in as well, um, it's going to be much more competitive, I feel, this season. And I actually fancy um, Liverpool to not even be in the top two. I mean, a lot of people wow. saying it's a two-horse race. Um I think that's just a bit of recency bias more than anything. I, I think that teams are going to be a lot stronger this season. Um, and Liverpool, um, the, the, some of those wins could turn into draws um, or defeats. I, I just, I think they've been dealt a bit, a bit of a good hand with there being no Africa Cup of Nations or Copa America this summer. Um, obviously, the front three getting a bit of a rest, well needed as well. Um, because they they seem to be playing every summer at the minute, um, so yeah, I, I think that that that's a positive for them. But I do think Man City have the requisite quality to 
to kick on now. I, I think if they keep Laporte fit all season, that's going to be massive. We've seen how much of a difference he makes. Uh, the clean sheets rack up under him. Uh, when he's not involved, they do look very suspect at the back. And they have brought Aki in, of course, who I think will be a good player in time. Um, but I'm, I still think they need another centre-half for me. Now they're after uh, Khalidou Koulibaly at the minute, which would be a big signing. Um, if they get that over the line, I think that they could be a bit shorter as well. Um, so, yeah, at the prices, I think that five to six is fair. It's not really a working man's price, to be honest. Um <laughs> I'd be more looking towards Chelsea at a bigger price, to be honest, um, if they can get it quick in there. Uh, obviously, defence is usually the issue with them, but I just think they're going to have this gung-ho attitude and they they could batter the teams in the bottom half of the league. And um, we saw under Lampard, they went to the likes of Spurs um, and, and other teams who were up there and, and gone there and won. So um, they have got the capacity to play well against the top teams and it with the strength in depth that they have I think they'll be able to juggle Champions League and uh, Premier League quite well uh, compared to the likes of Liverpool so at the prices I'd rather uh, with Chelsea than I would with anyone else um, but I do think Man City are fair at around five to six. Wow only 10 minutes in and, and Tom's dropped the ball that Liverpool might not even make in the top two so Jack you've some wonderfully extensive content for the for the season preview on site, mainly focusing on the Premier League. Uh, I know you swerved the actual outright market itself, but you did give a bit of a nod towards Man City regaining the title. So talk us through your thoughts on the outright market. Yeah, I pretty much agree uh, 100% with Tom there. I, I think they are a fair price uh, at five to six, but I, I wouldn't. It's not a price I'd want to back them at myself. I mean, you know, scored 102 goals last season, but suffered nine defeats so kind of tells you where where their problems are um but they have started to address those areas you know Ake gives them a bit more pace at the back appreciate he might not sort of start every week um you know the key for them I think is is the, the fitness of of Laporte first and foremost keeping him injury free um because when he's in the side they, they look a lot more confident at the back. I think he's won 50 of his 59 appearances in the Premier League for them. Um, and keeping Aguero fit, because I, I, I just I like Jesus as a player, but he's just not clinical enough for me. He missed some big chances last season, really underperformed on his, on his XG. Um, and I just think last season will just serve as a, maybe a bit of a reality check for, for City. I think, you know, look at the previous two campaigns, they had 198 points across those two seasons. So to keep that intensity going was always going to be a challenge. So it's not a surprise that they did drop off. Maybe we weren't quite expecting the drop off that we, that we did see. Um, and Guardiola didn't didn't really help himself at times. You know, we saw in the Champions League the the sort of tactical tinkering just just didn't really work. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think they are a fair price, but um, I agree with Tom. I'd be leaning more towards Chelsea. You know, there's a couple of angles you can get them on side with either. I think they're about twelve to one for the title. It might be worth an each way shout. Um, you, know, you get a they come second you'd, you'd get then a third of your returns and obviously if they go all the way then you've got a nice nice payout I, I think they've just they've addressed the key areas where they were lacking last season you know adding Thiago Silva at the back just gives them that leadership they've been missing arguably since since John Terry retired to be honest um and uh, you know they've, they've added the depth which like Tom mentioned should give them enough across all the competitions they'll be in um i think lampard will have learned a lot from last year um particularly the the bigger games um, and how to how to try and uh, win those um and if you actually look at the stats they, they had a higher expected goals return than liverpool last season and so it, it's just trying to find a striker that was that was going to put those chances away you know the games they really struggled in were at home to the the sort of bottom half sides, particularly the first half of the season. I think they lost to to West Ham, Southampton and Bournemouth sort of within weeks of each other at home and they were dominating those games. They just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. So bringing in Werner, 
um, really should help that. And I think he's going to link up well with with Havertz, who apparently is really impressing in in training in his his first few uh, first couple of weeks. So you know, good signs there for Chelsea fans and and, and Zayich as well. Who you know, although it's it's the Dutch league and you have to take that with a uh, you know, not quite a pinch of salt, but you have to look at look at the stats with a little bit of caution. He, his numbers were were really really impressive. So, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly have a little dabble on Chelsea each way, uh, or you can get him maybe plus eighteen on the handicap as well with with Betfred. That's twelve to one. Um, I, I agree with what Tom said about Liverpool as well. I just think similar I look at them this this summer and, and kind of flashbacks to city in in from last summer in that they've they've not really signed anyone so far I know they got the left back in from from Olympiacos but unless they they add to the numbers I think they may just lack a little bit of freshness and maintaining that that intensity level from the last two last two seasons like like city adds is gonna it's gonna be a real challenge. I mean, they were incredible last season, and Mane in particular was just stepped up, I think, more than anyone. Um, and I think you just saw signs towards the end of the season that, particularly not having the crowd at Anfield, and naturally they they eased off because of the lead they had. But I think you could see that the sides were starting to go to Anfield, and ever since that that Champions League defeat to Atletico, really, teams started to go there with a little bit less fear and start to take them on a bit more. And I think when when the fullbacks, um, when the sort of supply line from the fullbacks got shut off, as as Arsenal did so well in, in the couple of games they've played them recently, there wasn't really too much else. Um, I mean, the, the two fullbacks got 25 assists between them last season. Um, and it really, when those two had a, had a quiet games, it, it was it, it sort of you had to rely on the central players to come up with the creativity. And I think that's like Tom said. I think adding someone like Thiago would would really would help that in in the sort of more tight games. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm certainly leaning towards Chelsea. I think twelve to one's a, a good each way shout for the title. Great stuff, guys. What a start. Liverpool not to finish in the top two, potentially, and, and Chelsea to win the Premier League at big prices. So, moving on then, the race to seal a Champions League spot, a top four finish, if you like. Uh, it's probably more important in today's world than ever, than ever, really, with the pandemic and obviously the finances that come and follow that. Uh, Man City and Liverpool are considered the, the top four Kimmies in the market. And uh, I guess the rest, are, you know, I'll run through the runners and riders quickly. United are two to one on. Chelsea eight to fifteen, Arsenal eleven to four, Spurs seven to two, Wolves thirteen to two, Leicester ten to one, Everton twenty, Leeds twenty five, Southampton thirty five, it's Bar fifty five to one. Jack, I'll come to you first. The market is sort of suggesting the top four is a is a close shop. Um, you guys have both basically said that Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. So, you know, who out of that chasing pack is going to get the fourth and final spot? Is there a value price in this market at the moment? If I'm honest, I struggled to find too much value. I, I, I think United, if you look at them going forward, particularly after Fernandez came in, they were they really stepped it up a gear. He he was absolutely immense, really. Um, sort of carried on his form from from when he was at Sporting. But on the flip side, if you look at um, look at them at the back, they still concede some incredibly poor goals I mean Maguire in particular that you know against Saints he he was marking his own player for the equaliser right at the end and then in the the Sevilla game he was he was looking I don't know what he was looking at (laughs) but one of their goals is just um and obviously the the situation he's in at the moment is not sort of an unwelcome distraction um so yeah I think I think although I think Van der Beek is is a is a good signing and should should sort of help shield the back four a bit more. I, I think they they need a bit more depth, and I still think they're a little bit in transition. You know, first eleven wise, I think they're they're quite strong, but beyond that, I, I really have my doubts. Um, and I think maybe the, the where they're looking to, which is probably the title, I think is probably a title push is probably a couple of seasons away. If I'm honest, they need to carry on rebuilding the squad, but. Um, I, th- I think they've got enough to finish in the top four purely because of uh, their forward line. Um, you know, 
Rashford was was top draw last season and Greenwood came in and sort of gave him a an extra dimension as well. I think when when they moved um when they moved Rashford out to the, the left wing and, and put Martial through the centre, that that also seemed to change things. That was a sort of key turning point as well as Fernandez coming in. Um, and then if you look at Arsenal, you could make a case for them breaking into there. I think, you know, they're, they're obviously in great spirits at the moment. They, they ended the season really well. And, you know, if they can carry forward that positive momentum from from not just the, the end of season form in the league, but the FA Cup win as well and, and the Community Shield victory, um, you, you could uh, you could make a case for them getting into there. But again, like United, I think they're still in transition and, and they still need a bit more depth um, if they're going to challenge across the season. And I'm, I'm like United as well, I'm not entirely convinced about them defensively. OK, um, over to you then, Tom. It's not the most appealing betting heat at the moment with uh, with United and Chelsea, you know, quite firm odds on favourites to get in that top four. So can you make a case for, for the likes of Arsenal, Spurs, Wolves, Leicester even to, to break that top four? What's your view? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a close shot. You are right in saying that. I think that if anyone's gonna gonna do it, it's it'll be Arsenal, just because they've got a couple of trophies under the belt now under Arteta. He's only been there not in a year, so he's he's getting the trust of the players. They're sorting out the defence. I think Gabriel's a great addition, uh, really nice on the ball as well as being quite solid. Um, kind of when you, when he has to be in the deep block, he does well. And I think that he gets the most out of Aubameyang and that's massive because he's such a threat in so many different situations. Um, it, it's very hard to deal with him. And I think that if that they if they can kind of keep keep doing the, the things that they've been doing kind of towards the back end of the season, getting the most out of him, um, he, he's going to be a massive threat um, to a lot of teams. And 11-4 with Boyle Sports, I think they are Arsenal. Um, I think that if anyone's going to gonna do it, it will be them. I just think they've got a bit more of a winning attitude under Arteta. I think they do need to sort out their away form. Um, it'll be interesting to see with the crowd situation if, if that kind of evens itself out a little bit um, because they have been pretty poor on the road. As of Spurs last season, two teams that I was more than happy to get against on the road. Um I do think that the lack of fans might make a, a bit of a difference to this. And um, Arsenal has shown that they can beat the big teams as well. They've done it um, a couple of times now under Arteta. And yeah, I, I think that it, it'll be Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and then it'll be a fight out between Arsenal and United. And at the prices, um, Man United at 1-2 to two doesn't make too much appeal. I think that because Arsenal um, aren't in the Champions League, uh, they can be a bit more um, rotational with the squads. Um, the likes of Enketia can come in. They've got quite quite a deep squad, really, Arsenal. Um, and there's not going to be that pressure from fans to play the best team in Europe. Um, they can do they can rotate like they did last year and give that a go and really focus on on the Premier League. And um, yeah, that w- winning mentality that kind of Arteta's instilled. Um, it should rub, rub off on them, I think. And 11-4 does make a, a bit of appeal. Um, apart from that, I'm just looking down. What I don't think Wolves are going to have um, another great season. 13-2 um, is a little bit short, I think, on them. And Spurs, 7-2, I think that's probably fair enough. But, um, yeah, if anyone would um, appeal, it would be Arsenal. But I do think Chelsea... Bit of a sharp price, eight to fifteen, but I think that's um, still a bit of value to me. Okay. okay. Um, well, well, let's move down the segments. Um, I'm going to lo- label this one overachievers because we're looking at possible top six finishes, top half match bets, possibly handicaps, that sort of thing. Uh, Tom, we'll stay with you then. Which Premier League teams do you think the market has potentially underrated right now, and are there any selections? around that side um, or teams that punters should be looking at to, to overachieve this season? Yeah, I think there's a few, to be fair, Mark. I think that um, the bookies have kind of got it pretty much spot on to me when I'm looking down the list uh, um, who's where, but I'd still think there's a bit of value in Southampton. Um, I know Jack will be pleased to hear this, but Southampton, <laughs> they're uh, 10 to 1 without the top six. Um we landed a winner on Wheel of Betting last year back in Leicester in this market. 
Yeah. And it is one that I like because um, if one of these teams does have a bit of a beast of a season um, and Southampton finish above them, that, that's even better for you, um, as was the case with Leicester. So, yeah, I think I think that 10-1 um, to 1 on Saints without the top six does appeal. I just think that they've they've got a real real kind of distinct style of play, which is um, a big bonus for me when I'm looking at these teams. They play this kind of 4-2-2-2 kind of formation with Armstrong and Redmond like liking to float in and get shots off. And um, they rarely do press teams high up the pitch under Hattenhutel. It just means that they get the ball in more dangerous areas and that means that it can get shots off. They actually ranked sixth for shots last season. Um, which is a remarkable feat, really. Um, and if you kind of do take out that bad start to the season, um, in 2020, they were the sixth best uh, team in the league. So um, they're coming in with a bit of confidence. Um, I think Shea Adams showed what he could do towards the end of the season. I think that he's going to have a bit more of an influential role this season. And obviously Danny Ings as well up front. So they can fit them both into the system. Um, which is brilliant. And Kyle Walker-Peters looks really comfortable at right back to me. I think he could provide quite a few assists. Uh, Salisu has come in at centre-half, could partner Bednarek, um, although Stevens did well towards the end of the last season. So it's more options for Hassan Hutu. And I think that they all know their roles individually. Um, as a team, they know when to press. They, they know that they can do it against good teams as well. I can remember seeing them at Chelsea, and they played their own game there and, and did brilliantly. Um, so I think that they could upset the apple cart. I mean, they've not got any European commitments either, of course. So they've got a full run at it. And I, I think that they can give it a good go. And 10 to 1 just looks a little bit too big. Um, just on another team that I, I do like, I mean, it pains me to say it being a Bradford fan, but Leeds do look like a good thing. <laughs> Um, I think the five to two with William Hill to finish in the top half, and I, I just think that they're going to make the step up seamlessly. I just think that the way that the play is going to be hard for teams to track. And um, we saw last season with Sheffield United coming up. It's a new team. It's a new system. Teams really struggled, especially in the first half of the season, to cope with that. Maybe they didn't look at it enough. Didn't give them the respect, but. Um, Bielsa, yeah, he's a bit of a genius, to be fair to him, and he implements a really unorthodox system, really, which is it's so hard for teams to kind of combat it. Um, they can dominate games, and now that they've got Rodrigo, as I mentioned earlier, someone to put the ball in the back of the net. They absolutely smashed all the uh, data metrics last season in the championship. They should have won more games. I think they should have probably got over uh, 100 points if they put their mind to it, so... Um, yeah, I'm expecting them to step up well, and I think that they should get in the top half. And five to two looks quite generous to me um, on Elland Road side. Um, yeah, I don't want to say it, but I've got a five to two. It's a bet. <laughs> well, obviously Sheffield United last season, Wolves the season before as well, and mm. I think anyone who watches the EFL closely would say that Leeds, along with that Wolves team, possibly Newcastle a few years back. Uh, earlier probably dominated the championship like no other really and not just last season either it was it was the year before they were absolutely fantastic and you said it yourself there Bielsa a bit of a genius how he's managed to turn that turn that club around well not just the club the the squad that he inherited into promotion candidates is is quite outstanding really but uh Jack I wanted to get your reaction on Tom's um bigging up really of Southampton and also hear who you fancy to be basically an underrated team who might overachieve if it is the Saints as well uh, yeah, I almost hate to say it, but it is. Um, I'm, anyone that knows me, I'm a bit of a pessimistic Saints fan, but I, I think I, I do have to side of us having a, a good season this time around. I think you, you saw after the restart, I think we were, I, I would argue, probably the best team to watch um, in the Premier League. Um, the way we were playing, the results we were picking up. Um, the, the bet... I really like is um, we bet three six five over forty nine points for the for the season for Saints. Um, I mean we had fifty two last season, um, and we were absolutely terrible for the first half of the season. So did you say um, over forty nine points? Over forty nine points. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Six to five. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, considering how bad we were in the first half of last season, 
I, I think that's uh, a great price for me. Um, and and on the team points market, you can actually um, you can actually sort of double it up and treble it up and put in an acker as well, which is a nice little nice little feature if you wanted to include some other teams on it as well. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with what what Tom said. Um, the, the additions we brought in Walker Peters was was brilliant. Um, on his in his loan spell, but that was a real problem area for us right back with. You know, Cedric left to, to join Arsenal on loan, and then you know Jan Valerie just he, he may he may develop into a, to a Premier League quality, but he's not there yet. So Walker Peters just slotted in really well, just does the basics well at the back, and, and gave us a bit more of a an outlook going forward as well. Um, you know, we need to improve the home form. That's 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 the big thing. Um, you know, only only Norwich had a worse home form than us last season. It's you know, we've been pretty terrible at St Mary's for, for a number of years now, much to my pain as the season to get older. Um, uh, but, you know, the third, the away form, we're the, with the third best in the league. So, you know, a, a right mismatch, not just in terms of the first half and second half of the season, but, but how we were at, at St Mary's and on the road as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, really settled into the formation we play, um, got that momentum from, from last season. Signed well so far, you know Salazu. I think will will turn out to be a. a I think he'll be a, a, a top signing, but he may not sort of come in from the start. I think Stevens and Benderek are likely to be the the partnership that will, that will stay at centre back. They you know they did really well together the second half of last season. Um, and and Tom Tom uh, also made a good point about the making a good start. I think that's that's been our one of our Achilles heels the last few seasons. We we never tend to start well, but if you look at the look at the fixtures, um our opening fixtures they're actually quite kind on paper. So hopefully we can carry forward some of that form from the back end of last season and and um and make a good start. So yeah, the the over forty nine points is is my favourite play, but I also like the the ten to one that Tom mentioned on um, being the best team outside the top six as well. Yeah, two very interesting and value-laden selections. I've got to say, I do like the Saints as well. Um, Ralph Hausen has taught arguably one of the better coaches in the Premier League, and that's saying something when you're up against the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and co. So uh, two ticks in the Saints box uh, from the boys. So we're going to jump down to the bottom of the Premier League now, the relegation market. Always a, a fascinating anti-post heat. This year, no different. Newly promoted West Brom and Fulham are both 11 to 10 favourites to go straight back down. Aston Villa 2 to 1, Newcastle 9 to 4, Palace also 9 to 4, Burnley 3 to 1. Then you've got Sheffield United, Brighton and Leeds all 4 to 1, West Ham 9 to 2, Saints 9 to 1, Everton 25 to 1, Leicester and Wolves both 40 to 1, and I won't bother mentoring the rest. But uh, I'll stay with you, Jack. You pen the piece for the season preview. You reckon West Brom are really going to struggle, right? Um, so yeah, I guess is there anything else in the market to be looked at other than your your baggies bet and explain what that is? Um, to be honest, I mean you look at the bottom half of the table, the teams you'd expect to finish in the bottom half. You could probably put a, a fag packet between a lot of them, really. I don't, don't you can make a case for probably six, seven, eight teams potentially going down. Um, you know, on the West Brom one, I, I just think in both boxes, I think they're just really going to struggle. Um, you know, they at the end of season form, the second half of the season, they were really poor last year. And they got to 50 points at the halfway stage in the championship, and then they just really fell off. I think their second half of the season form, they were uh, 11th in the table just based on that um, that final 23 games. Um, I just look at them up front, and at the moment, I know that they're, they're after. I think they're after Carlon Grant from from Huddersfield, um, which would be a good addition. But at the moment. You know, look at their striking options. Charlie Austin, for me, he's just not fit enough for this level. Um, even in the championship, he was struggling to to complete a 90 minutes, and you know he might chip in with a handful of goals, maybe off the bench. But for me, he's not he's not a first choice Premier League striker. And um, look at some of their other options, like um, Hal Robson Carnu. You know, he's he's a workhorse. He he does does the dirty work, but again. He's not not going to get you the goals to to keep you up, um, and then at the back, you know, the uh, Ajay had a had a great season. He was a real threat at set pieces uh, as well as doing well um, in defence. But they, he didn't really have a, a reliable partner. You know, they, Bilic 
chopped and changed it um, a bit. I think Carl Bartley played probably the majority of the games, but I think he needs Jay needs uh, a, a Premier League quality centre half alongside him. Um, and as well at fullback, I think they're, they're just lacking options at the moment. I know Nathan, Fer- um, Nathan Ferguson went to, to Palace, so I think then you look at the need to bring in two or three uh, more defensive options uh, before the start of the season or certainly before the end of the window. It, it doesn't uh, give me much confidence in them and I'm not entirely convinced by Bilic either really. Uh, you know, had a good, good first season at West Ham, but the second season sort of really fell apart. I'm just not convinced by him tactically, if I'm honest. So, yeah, West Brom uh, to finish bottom, sort of put up on the piece at uh, seven to two. Um, I think a number of bookies are offering that. But between the rest, I, I, I uh, wrote up on my team verdicts article that uh, had Newcastle for 18th, but they made a, a couple of good additions in the last few days with with Fraser and Wilson. If those two can combine as well as they did at Bournemouth, then then I'd give them a bit more hope than maybe I did at the time that I, I penned the article. I think the other team that I would really worry about would be Palace. Um, you know, I think only Norwich scored less than them last season. They just just look um, look a real striker short. You know, Eze is a great signing and with Zaha they should have enough creativity but from wide areas and, um, and also a bit more through the middle now I think a lot of their central midfield players are, are a bit too similar so uh, I think Eze had something a bit different but just at the top end of the pitch um, I guess like all the teams really that, that we're tipping to struggle down the bottom it's getting having that goal scorer that's, that's going to make the difference um, and uh, you know Jordan uh, IU did did really well up front. Um, you know, I think he got nine goals in the end, which was a great return considering he played probably half a season out on the wing. Um, he did a really a really good job up top um, for them, sort of latter stage of the season. But um, they desperately need more goals in that team, and um, I know the pressure's already on Roy Hodgson um, for how they how they finished up last season. So yeah, they'd be another side that I would I would uh, certainly uh, worry about. Okay, Tom, I've not heard your views yet on the on the relegation market, so looking forward to hearing them. So uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? What are the best prices to be looking at? The potential teams uh, to suffer this season. Um, I'm kind of on board with what Jack's saying. I think that Fulham and West Brom are a fair, a fair favourites for the drop. Um, but the prices kind of reflect that. So I looked at Palace as well. Um, nine to four. Um, I mentioned that Eze is a, a good signing, but apart from that, yeah, they're, they're sorely lacking. And just on Zaha, I mean, he managed a combined goal and assist total of seven last season. It's simply not good enough that, and um, if he he's not getting any younger, is he? Um, I mm. think that if they got a decent bid for him this summer, they should have definitely have uh, cashed in. In my opinion, not sure if anything's coming for him. To be fair, um, but if you kind of man mark him, um, you kind of cut off the supply, and you're gonna have to do that to Eze as well. Um, but apart from that, there's no threat for me and the midfield's a bit stodgy. Um, I can remember watching Powys at home to Burnley and Burnley were just pinging it around. Um, and you think Burnley are a long ball team and they, they were battering them just by playing the ball on the ground and in the half spaces to McNeil. And you just look at them and think that it's an ageing team. I think that because it's been built in a Hodgson mould, if they start quite poorly and Hodgson gets the chop, then... Um, if they're bringing a different type of coach, which the fans are like after someone a bit more attacking, it might not suit the style of the players. And that's always a worry. Um, they've not really had a, a good record of getting a, the right man in uh, before Hodgson of Palace. So um, I think if they start poorly, it'll be quite hard for them to come back. Um, and I think nine to four is fair enough. And I, I did reserve a, a lot of praise last season for Sheffield United. Um, but that was more towards the start of the season and the first half of the season. I mentioned earlier that teams just didn't know how to cope with this uh, formation where they get 
Um, pretty, they get overloads on each wing. Um, they'll get McGoldrick over on one side and he'll be helping um, Baldock and then the, the centre-half will come up and help them out. Um, but it does leave him sometimes a bit bare in the middle of the pitch and in the box. Um, that was reflected with um, their uh, average shots last season. I think it was the worst in the league, around 9.3 per game. And again, I mentioned with Liverpool, it's, it's games with tight margins. Uh, they were winning them, uh, especially at the start of the season. But I think now teams have kind of worked them out a little bit. Um, they do look a bit devoid of creativity. Um, they do look a bit... They don't look to have too much pace up front either. They play in uh, a, a pretty obvious way when you when you kind of work it out. Um, and that, that did show towards the end of last season. So I think Chris Wilder, as much as I like him, he's going to have to be innovative again. He may well be. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do. And if you can remember the start of last season, I think Sheffield United were one of the favourites for the drop. Um They've not really made too many signings. They brought in Burge, I know. Um, but apart from that, they, they've not made too many additions. And now they're 4-1 for the drop. And I just think that it's so easy to get drawn into what a team did the season before. But teams can drop like a stone um, if they do get found out. And then because they've been used to not losing, if they get into that losing rut, um, it can be quite hard to get out of. So... Um, it's it's quite regretful that I put them up at 4-1 because I really like Chris Wilder and what he's done. Um, but just at the prices, I, I, I'm not quite understanding why they're so big. Uh, likewise for West Ham, 9-2 um, with Betway uh, for the drop. I just think what we've seen, re- it might be a bit of recency bias here, but um, it just seems like the, the players aren't happy with what's going on at the club. Um They've kind of got a mishmash of a squad. I like what they did towards the end of the season, but that's when they were a bit more free. They could play with more freedom. I think under pressure, um, that team does suffer. Uh, they got battered by Bournemouth in a pre-season game, conceding five the other day, which is a bit of a shambles, really. And um, I just think that they they can be got out at the back. Um, Antonio's an interesting player. I think if it does go well for them... Um, Antonio could be the one that um, kind of gets them out of it. Um, but I just think that at the price, 9-2, to two, um, I don't get why they're not shorter than that, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, my main, my main player would be Palace, but I think at a bigger price, Sheffield United and um, the team that I just mentioned then that's completely gone out of my head. <laughs> West Ham. West Ham, that's it. Um, I think that... They're probably a, a touch of value at four to one and nine to two. Okay, um, let's move on to many people's favourite market, the top goal scorer market. Um, if you've been following the the WLB Twitter feed, uh, my own tweet, or even reading Tom's analysis, you'd know that the the market is quite rife for big price places. Uh, Danny Ings, the obvious one from last season, uh, stealing in for place money at two hundred to one. So. Uh, really looking forward to hearing both of your views on on the top goal scorer market. I'll start with you, Tom. Um, you put up a, a strong front runner and two outsiders. I know a few people have been quick to turn their nose up at your outsiders on on Twitter. So the floor is yours. Tell us your best bets and tell the listeners why those naysayers are wrong. <laughs> um, well, I think that the, the one player that was keen on last season was Abamyang, and he was around eight to one, I think. Um, just missed out to Vardy, which was the other person we put up at 21. So we've got a bit of um, good form in this market in the past, but I'm going to go with Aubameyang again. I think he is the most likely of the front runners for me um, on penalties, which is a massive thing, especially um, with VAR. We've seen how many penalties were given um, towards the end of last season. It, it seemed like pretty much every other game there was a penalty given and um, we've got the tricky players that Arsenal do have. Um, it's no, it's no surprise to see them um, given so often, and he's got a great record from the spot. Um, he, I mentioned before, I can score all types of goals. You know, if he's, if teams play a high line, then they can get him behind. He's still got that pace, and he's he's finishing one on ones absolutely superb. Um, but if teams do play a deep block, we've seen him. His movement in the box really clever. 
You know, it can go front post, it can go between centre halves, it can drift out wide. Um, you can see him coming in at the back post because he's been playing on that left hand side. Um, usually, if you're looking at a top scorer, um, bet you want someone who's going to be a central striker. That's changed for me in the last couple of years. Anyway, we've seen Sauer um, coming off off the flank and uh, win this before. So, um, yeah, strikers just taking up a bit bit more of a clever position. Um, it's harder for people to mark them. If you look how Arsenal play, they go down the left a lot. And now they're going to play this kind of five at the back, if you will. And, and Kieran Tierney is a left-sided centre-half. Saka is a left wing-back. Um, Xhaka moves out there as well. They really overload that left, a bit like Sheffield United do. And it just gives um, Aubameyang some space when he wants to cut in. And um, we saw that against um, in the Community Shield. He was excellent there. Uh, the FA Cup final too. Um, he's a big game player as well. He's got everything in his locker for me. And um, he's been up there time and time again. He's got 20 or more goals in about seven seasons, I think, in his career. So he, he knows where the goal is. He's got everything in his locker. And 6-1 to one, um, looks fair to me. I, I back that outright. I wouldn't bother with the each way um, at that price. But yeah, you mentioned about the, the bigger prices and... Um, it's very important in betting to remember that you're betting the price. A lot of people seem to misconstrue that. They think that, oh, well, of course that isn't going to happen. Well, that's not the point. Do you think it has a better chance than the odds suggest? That's the main, main takeaway for me. And there's two players that do appear with the prices. Um, mentioned them in the piece. Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton. He's been chipped into 80-1. to 1. I put him up at 100s. Um, which was nice with spread X, that's into 80s with quite a few firms now. But back at each way, um, and you get four places and uh, a quarter of the odds, I think that that's a good thing at that price. I just think under Ancelotti, they've been much better going forward. Um, they did tail off a bit at the end of the season, but I'm putting that down to there being absolutely nothing at stake. Um, as soon as Ancelotti came in, they've got something to play for. There's a new manager there. You know, there's going to be pressure. You want that. You want to make him happy. You want to be in the starting lineup. So they're going to play a bit more with a bit more vim and vigor. And they did tail off towards the end of the season. I'm, I'm willing to write that off, to be honest. Um, their expected goals uh, really improved when Ancelotti came in. They were averaging around two expected goals per game for a long time until the break uh, for coronavirus. And I think that. The way that they're playing um, with Dinier on the left, he's got a great delivery. And then you've got the likes of James Rodriguez who could be coming in, Ducare as well. Um, they're just getting a bit more quality in that midfield, which has been stodgy for a while. Um, been really disappointed with Sigurdsson this season. Um, I'm, I'm surprised he's still at the club. So there's there's um, a lot to like about what Everton have done. And I think that the, the fact that they're playing two up front, it just gives... If you've got two up front and you, it just means that you've got one defender to focus on a lot of the time. I think when you're playing up front on your own, um, you can get marked out of the game pretty well. Um, but when you've got two up there, there's more space. And we know how good Calvert-Lewin is at making space in the box for himself. You know, he's becoming an all-round striker. He'll be looking at that England team in the summer. Um, and, and if he can score kind of 15 to 20 goals, or even more than that, um, he, he could be well in with a shout. I mean, if you look at his expected goals, um, he was around 16 last season. He scored 13, um, whereas Richarlison, um, his expected goals was around 10. Um, and he's a shorter price than uh, Calvert-Lewin. So it's important to kind of look at the underlying data on all of these. I think that Calvert-Lewin gets into better positions, is more central. Great in the air, great with his feet. Oh, his anticipation's good, and eighty to one. Yeah, that's a a great each way bet for me. And just as a bit of a flyer, I did mention him before. If they have a good season, Antonio for West Ham is a hundred and fifty to one with bet three six five. Um, just saw how how good he was towards the end of the season. I mean, I know he did score four in that game against Norwich. Can skew it a little bit, but. The point is, in that game, he got into positions where he should have scored four. I think his expected goals was around four as well, um, which is kind of unheard of for someone who scores that many in one game. Um, but you, you see that um, he's the main man up front now. He's, he's kind of taken the place of Haller, 
who's not really caught fire yet. And I think that he's he's got that he's got that physicality about him. He can bully players, but it, when he's through on goal, you're confident because you know he's, he's going to hammer it in. Um, and his anticipation's really improved for me. When I look at him in the box, he, he's looking at where to, where the ball's going to drop, um, where he can get kind of tappings as well. Uh, he's also good in the air for someone who isn't uh, extremely tall as well. So he's got it all. And if he's going to be the main striker for West Ham, I think 150 to one is just a bit too big. And at that price, I'll have a little tickle on him each way. Okay, and a, a great point you made there as well about price being everything really in betting. Mm. Uh, it's all about probability and odds, and, and that's what the, the end goal is really. So um, over to you then, Jack, your top goal scorer selections, please, and, and the reasons why you think punters should be backing them now. So uh, I really like um, Timo Werner. Um, he's 12-1 to 1 with, with Betway. Um, just look at his record in, in Germany 95 goals in 158 appearances for, for Leipzig and you know he, he might not have the sort of physical stature of some of the, the, the Chelsea legendary forwards of sort of the past sort of 10-15 years like, like Costa and, and Drogba but I think he's he's the best uh, striker they've they've uh, certainly the best striker they've had since since Costa left, in my view, I think his his pace and his, his movement uh, is really going to cause teams problems. Um, and the players he's going to have around him, you know, whatever uh, team that that Lampard sets up with, he's going to have uh, an abundance of, uh, of creative talent around him to to lay on the chances for him. And, and and if they sort of match or even better their expected goals return from from last year, they should they should score more goals with with him in the team. And um, Tom mentioned penalties. Um, I know Jorginho's normally the first choice for Chelsea, but Werner did take them for for Leipzig. So it'd be interesting to see if he um, if he takes Jorginho's spot. Um, you, you would think so that he maybe he would as as a striker. Um, and the other the other player I do like, uh, another player I like is 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 Jimenez at Wolves. He's, he's thirty three to one with bet three six five. Um, yeah, I think it's a good each way shout. You know, he scored twenty seven goals in in all competitions last season, and that was that was with having the the, the Thursday Sunday routine of. Premier League and then and Europe so you know that they don't have any Europe this year Wolves so he should be uh, a lot a lot fresher and um, just look at the the midfield talent that he has around him um, you know he's always gonna always gonna get chances and um, interestingly enough he scored with 19% of his of his shots um, last season I think only um, I think only Mo Salah had a, a better conversion rate than that so you know, if he can get, um, you, you give him a chance in the box, and uh, I think you know most times he'll, you know, decent chance he will he will put it away. I think he's outside the the top six. I think he's along with Ings probably um, the most clinical for me. So yeah, uh, thirty three to one I think is a a good way in, and I, I know a couple of people. Um, Maybe coughed at the the Che Adams uh, <laughs> hint that I put on social media the other day. Three hundred to one. Um, again, you, you know, it's a price player. It's it's unlikely. It's a long shot. But um, you know, you mentioned that you know there's there's always sort of a big price, um, big price player that that sort of comes in from nowhere that that uh, certainly at least places in this market. So. Um, you know, you've got the 300 to one, but also I think there's a couple of uh, other plays on him over six and a half goals for the season. It's 11 to 10 with Unibet, um, and for him to score 10 or more goals is four to one with Betfair. You just look at the way he ended last season. He got four and six. Um, you know, when once he got that monkey off his back of of getting that first goal. Um, he, he just looked so confident. Um, he scored that brilliant goal against Man City, and then just went on a a really decent run from there. Um, you know, at the start of the season, he, he was really unlucky. It was a, a game that sticks in my mind, which was Sheffield United away. He hit the post, and and he had a header, point blank header, which was um, Henderson had to make a brilliant save from it. It just wasn't going in for him. Um, and you look at the, the XG stats, he actually had a higher expected goals per 90 last season than 
Sadio Mane, Abemiang, um, Harry Kane, Jimenez, Bruno Fernandes, that's just to name a few. So, you know, and he should start, well, he's almost certain to start up, up front alongside Ings right from the start, considering how he ended the season. Um, and he's also looked pretty good in pre-season as well. So, you know, forming a good partnership with Ings, who, um, you know, always a striker you want to play alongside because of his link-up play. He will get chances in, in this team um, because we are a front-foot side. Um, so, yeah, I, I like those. I like the, the long shot because of the price, but also um, those those two slightly smaller plays as well. Uh, so I think he'll have a good season this time around. Super stuff. Um, OK, the last major market we're going to cover is, is the sack race or the next manager to leave. Uh, David Moyes and Roy Hodgson are neck and neck at six to one favourites at the time of recording. You've also got Scott Parker, who's half a point bigger. You've got Dean Smith at 11 to one, Steve Bruce at 12s, Slavin Binich 14 to one, Sean Dyche 16 to one uh, and Baris 20 to one. I'll stay with you, Jack. Um, you highlighted, highlighted two plays in your previews, um, are you still quite warm on, on David Moyes and Scott Parker? Oh, I'm definitely warm on David Moyes after <laughs> the events <laughs> at West, West Ham in the last few days. Um, I think the, the main reason that I, that I picked out at the, the time was just, just their, uh, their their opening fixtures. I know they've got Newcastle at home in the opening game at the weekend, but after that they've got um, six of last season's top eight, and then in, in the the next six games, which is, you know, the fixture computer's not been very kind to them there. Um, and and yeah, the the players it doesn't well, it doesn't seem a very happy camp at the moment. You know, I I, I totally agree with Mark Noble. To be honest, I don't know why they sold Dean Garner. Um, I think he'd slotted in really well into that squad this season. Sort of player they're really crying out for to be honest a, a bit more youth into the squad um so yeah I, I think you know there's a, there's a really toxic atmosphere there has been for years at that club between the fans um and the ownership and you know with the type of football that David Moyes has his teams play and it's it's not certainly uh certainly not something I'd want to watch um <laughs> you know it, it, it's his comments at the start when he came in is that uh, it's what I do, I win. But, you know, you look at his uh, win percentage after that, it, it wasn't great. I know he got them over the line to, to keep them in the division, but um, it was far from convincing at times. And uh, Tom mentioned that um, that pre-season friendly against Bournemouth. I know you can't always look too much into pre-season as an indicator as to how the actual campaign will go, but just look at the goals they conceded. They they basically just gave up at the end. Um, the likes of Noble that we mentioned was just just started walking for some of the goals and just all the signs are there that that I don't think he's going to last the season. Um, and yeah, the eight to one price um, I think it's with Eels at the moment. It looks looks a good way to go considering the fixtures. Um, you know, if they, if they get off to a bad start with with the atmosphere that's currently around the club, the fans will will get on his back, and because of the situation, the financial situation of the club, they simply cannot afford to drop out of the division. So, um, like I say, if they get off to a bad start, it, you feel that the owners might just have to to pull the plug on him. And um, so, yeah, I, I do very much like. Um, Moyes to be the first one to go and the, the other player I picked out was was Scott Parker um, I put it up at 11 to 1 but uh, a follower actually pointed out that it's, it's 14 to 1 with, with Bet Victor so an even better price um, I just think and I know a couple of Fulham fans and who, who watched them more often than I did last season but although he pulled off a bit of a tactical masterclass in, in the playoff final he, so it just it wasn't entirely convincing throughout the campaign um, and yes, they've got a goal scorer in in Mitrovic, which you know will, will help their chances of staying up. Um, and they do seem to be learning the lessons the, for the, what they struggled with last time. You know, they went on a massive spending spree when they didn't really need to bring in the amount of players and, and that they did. Um, they seem to be a bit more cautious this time around. Um, but I just I, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to travel well this season. They always struggle all the way from home in the Premier League. 
Um, I think they lost 27 of the last 39 away matches, and I'm not convinced that they're going to do much better this time around. Um, and last season, if you look at the, the stats, you know they, they when they scored first, they were fine. You know they failed to lose in in the, the 24 matches which they scored first, but you know that's going to occur a lot less against um, you know the, the uh, better quality opposition they'll be coming up against and. Um, you know, they got through three managers the last time they were at this level. So um, I think 14 to 1 is quite big for a team that I'm expecting to struggle. And it's, you know, better value than the sort of 6 to 5, 11 to 10 that they are generally on on getting relegated. So, yeah, those those two I'm, I'm still uh, quite happy with as my picks for the sack race. OK, uh, Tom, over to you. Anything catch your eye in the sack race? Um I think I think that Jack makes a, a two brilliant parts there. It's not really a market I, I tend to delve into too much. Um, I've got to say, it'd be funny if uh, all the managers had an actual race. Um, I wouldn't be backing Roy Hodgson at 61. <laughs> that, um, but um, yeah, I think that the, the market's pretty much spot on. I think that Moyes has got to be the bet here if you are going to have one. Um, just for all the reasons that um, Jack's outlined, it's pretty much all the notes that I've got down. Just two other players which are more like um, to do with, I don't think that they'll get sacked, but I think that there's a few disconcerting kind of rumours around them both. Is Sean Dyche at 16 to 1 with Skybet. I just think um, if they don't manage to bring anyone else in, uh, talk of Tarkovsky getting a few bids in for him, I think that he, he knows that he'd be able to get another job in the Premier League. Um, and he, I just wonder if he's coming to the end of his tether there. Um, 16 to 1 is quite interesting. Um, another one is just from a price perspective that kind of stood out when I was looking on Odds Checker earlier. Uh, Nuno for Wolves is 40 to 1 with William Hill, um, but he's only 12 to 1 with Bet365. So be it a big difference there. Um, I know, I'm not sure if he's signed a new contract yet. I, I'm sure that they were talking about sorting one out um and maybe it's just waiting till they do the business um in the transfer window i know that they've brought in marcel and fabio silva um i don't it's just one of them he's not going to get sacked but um that price difference is a bit interesting but yeah they're not really for me this this market if i'm honest mark but yeah the, the bet if you're going to have one would have to be moise Okay, um, before we call it quits, uh, I'm going to say any other business from you both. So any bets or selections that you haven't already mentioned that you want to share, now is the time. So stay with you, Tom. Anything else that you've seen or or spotted you want to share? Um, just in um, the handicap market, I think that um, Southampton are probably a bet in this as well. Um, with Bet365, I mean, it is a quite a tough market, this one. Um, there's quite a lot that has to go for you. Um, but I just think that the the league will be a lot tighter this year than it was last year. And um, I think, was it Sheffield United who won it last year? Yeah. Um, they, yeah, so people naturally look towards the top teams in this, but you've got to see who's going to be... Um, who's going to be the one that overachieves. Who's going to be that Sheffield United? And I appreciate that Southampton are a bit of a short price, but... Um, yeah, it's just another one in that market that did appeal to me. Um, apart from that, um, there's not, not much else um, that I've got written down here that takes my fancy, uh, to be honest, Mark. All right. Uh, Jack, over to you. No, I think we've, we've covered all of my favourite ones. That's all right. Um, OK, well, I think that brings us towards the end of the show. So before we do go, I just want to get both of your... Premier League anti-post naps and your next bests. So your your best bet and your second best bet as well for any or all markets. Um, so Jack, what's your best bet and and your next best? Uh, my best bet is Southampton to have over forty nine points in the season, six to five, with Bet three six five and uh, sticking on the Saints theme. Um, my next best bets are Che Adams to have over six and a half goals, which is. 11 to 10 with Unibet and for him to have 10 or more goals as well, which is 4 to 1 with Betfair. Great stuff. Tom, yours? Um, mine are 
Uh, there's actually one that I didn't mention, Mark. I'll mention it now. <laughs> it, 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 it kind of goes with uh, what we're talking about with relegation. It's Palace to be the lowest scoring team at 15-2 to two with Skybet. Um, it's much shorter elsewhere on 4-1 to one in places. Um, I'm, I'm loving the look of that just because of all the, men- uh, the reasons that we mentioned before. No real striker. Hodgson in charge. Uh, only Norwich scored fewer than them last season. I think that they should probably be favourites in this market, um, if not top three. Uh, so 15-2 to two on that looks good. Um, that would probably be my next best. My best bet on a nap would be Leeds to finish in the top half at 5-2. to two. I just think that um, we saw them when they went to Arsenal in the, in the Cup and they outplayed them. Um, and it was a pretty strong Arsenal team as well. They just looked so comfortable. Um, I know that Ben White's not about, uh, but Koch is a German international. Um, They've got a striker in now. If they can score the goals that they should have scored last season, um, I I can see them being the Sheffield United of this season, or even like Wolves, as you mentioned the the year before. Teams do come up on a high, and they come into it with a different kind of mentality, I think. If they've been winning, winning, winning each week, um, it's just natural for them to win, uh, even if they are going up into a, another division, whereas a lot of teams will be looking to avoid defeat. I think that Leeds will go to win games. And, uh, yeah, I think 5-2 to two is a, a cracking bet for them to finish in the top half of the table. Great stuff, guys. Loads of food for thought there and some fantastic bets. Great value spotted by you both. Um, I think that's us done now. That's the We Love Betting podcast in association with Gambler. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please do check out our other thoughts on the Championship, League One and League Two that will be dropping throughout Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. And of course, best of luck with your best anti-post bets this year. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, mate. And thanks, Jack. Cheers, Mark. Talk to you soon.